grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. Sunday in Lent is found recorded in the book of Exodus chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Now Moses was shepherding the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, a priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in blazing fire from within a bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire, but the bush was not burning up. So he said, I will go over and look at this amazing sight to find out why the bush is not burning up. When the Lord saw that Moses had gone over to look, to take a look, God called to him from the middle of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. Moses said, I am here. The Lord said, do not come any closer. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I will certainly, I have certainly seen the misery of my people in Egypt and have heard their cry for help because of their slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to deliver them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. Come now, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? So I said, I will certainly be with you. This will be the sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will serve God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, If I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? So God replied to Moses, I am who I am. He said, You will say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also told Moses, say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is how I am to be remembered from generation to generation. This is the word of the Lord. Our second lesson is found recorded in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning at verse 1. St. Paul writes, for I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and that they were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them. That rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them, he had them die in the wilderness. Now these things took place as examples to warn us not to desire evil things the way they did. 
do not become idolaters like some of them. And as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to celebrate wildly. And let us not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. Let us not put Christ to the test as some of them did. And so were being destroyed by the serpents. And do not grumble as some of them grumbled and were destroyed by the destroyer. All these things that were happening to them had meaning as examples. And they were written down to warn us to whom the end of the ages has come. So let him who thinks he stands be careful that he does not fall. No testing has overtaken you except ordinary testing. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tested beyond your ability. But when he tests you, he will also bring about the outcome that you are able to bear it. This is the word of the Lord. We read from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, beginning at verse 1. At that time, there were some present who told Jesus about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. He answered them, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans, because they suffered these things? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all perish too. Or those 18 who were killed when the tower in Siloam, Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were worse sinners than all the people living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all perish too. He told them this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. He came looking for fruit on it, but did not find any. He said to the gardener, look, for three years now, I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree and have found none. Cut it down. Why even let it use up the soil? But the gardener replied to him, Sir, leave it alone this year also until I dig around it and put fertilizer on it. If it produces fruit next year, fine. If it does not, then cut it down. This is the gospel. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for consideration is found recorded in the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. I'll open with this verse from that section. So God replied to Moses, I am who I am. He also said, you will say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. This is the word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ and once again heirs of everlasting life. The tip for the day is don't play with fire. Now how many of us growing up, maybe even still doing it, when there's a candle on the table start putting the finger through the fire to show that we can do it to the kids or maybe even to hold the hand over the fire and see how long you can hold it. Well, the truth is, that's being foolish. Don't play with fire. And you know the rest of it, because you will get burnt. So when you see a bush that is on fire, you don't go near it, because you could get burnt. And here's Moses going near the bush, but... The bush, even though it was on fire, it was not burning up. 
probably didn't have heat radiating from it. This was an amazing sight, we're told. And Moses had no choice but to check it out because what was happening wasn't natural. It was supernatural. And we know this because in the flame, we're told in Scripture here that the angel of the Lord was there. Now, the angel of the Lord is, is a unique title that is given throughout the Old Testament and here clearly does not refer to an angel specifically. In other words, that spirit being that God made to carry out his holy will in serving mankind. No, the angel of the Lord here speaks of himself as the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. This is the Lord and the one true God himself. In fact, that very phrase the Lord Jesus used, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, to the Sadducees as a proof passage that there is such a thing as the resurrection. In other words, there is such a thing as life after death. They did not believe in it. He made it clear to them that God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. When he calls himself the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. More specifically, this is really being used here, not so much to promote the resurrection, but more so to emphasize the fact that we have a covenant God we have a God who made an agreement to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He promised to them that their descendants would live in the land of Canaan. And now the Lord is coming to Moses to tell him that he has heard the Israelites cry for help. They're living as under slavery. They're living under the oppression of slave drivers. And the Lord has heard their prayer and cries and is going to lead them to the land that was known as flowing with milk and honey. It would be a land where one would truly want to raise their family. Now, to help us understand this, keep in mind the setting. We're at Mount Horeb. That's actually a mountain range. One of the peaks was Mount Sinai. And Moses was there because he was shepherding his father-in-law's sheep. It's been about 40 years since Moses had been in Egypt. In fact, he was a prince of Egypt, but he had killed an Egyptian, and fearing for his life, he ran away and has not come back since. For 40 years, he has now gotten married, he has children, and now serving under his father-in-law. So the Almighty God, this very angel of the Lord, and as we heard from 1 Corinthians, really points to the fact that this is the Lord Jesus himself before he took on human flesh. The very Son of God is now calling Moses to no longer be shepherd of sheep, but shepherd of God's flock, whom God calls my people. But he doesn't send Moses off on an expedition to... Pharaoh simply, hey, good luck, see you later, I pray it works out. No, he tells them how he's going to come down and how he's going to help and, and he'll be the one leading the people of Israel out. 
And we know that the Lord himself was present because he manifested himself as a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire at night. So what was there to fear? To know that the Lord was going to be with you. In fact, the Lord to drive home to Moses that this is what God wanted him to do and that he should not go to Egypt in fear is he let him know that he had a sign, really a pledge, that when the Israelites are let out, you're going to come back to this mountain. And in fact, it'll be on Mount Sinai that God gives his holy commands to the Israelites for 40 days and 40 nights. The Israelites will witness great wonders on that holy mountain because of the presence of the Lord, like in the burning bush. Now, when I read this, I find this to be very, very comforting, and I pray you do too. Because to hear these words that God was hearing their cry for help, and not only did God hear their cries as they prayed to him, but he was planning to do something. Oh, he may not do it according to their timetable, but he was going to do it at the best time for them. And certainly at the time that would give glory to God. Yes, he heard their prayers. And knowing that the Lord has heard their prayers is a comfort to us because we know that God is hearing our prayers. We don't have to pray wondering, is God hearing us? Is God too busy? Is God really up there? Does God really care? No, God hears our prayers. And certainly those cries for mercy. We have a God who not only hears our prayers, but he also keeps his promises. Remember the promise of Jesus who said, surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. That's a promise we count on. Remember even the promise that he works out all things for good? Or what about, as we heard from 1 Corinthians, from the lectern this morning, that God works it out for good, even provides a way out? never testing or tempting us beyond what we can bear. And then I can't help during this Latin season think of the words that were spoken on the cross, that, that one word, but in English it's three words, it is finished. That is a promise and a divine truth that it really is finished, that our sins really have been paid in full. And we don't have to live with wishful thinking. In fact, we live our lives confessing with our lips and, and holding dear to our hearts the fact that since our Savior paid for our sins, we pray to him with confidence and always with that believing heart. Yes, have that heart-to-heart -heart talk with God. No, he is listening. And know he will keep his prayers. It is not surprising that Moses would ask God the question, who should I say is sending me? Now the Israelites knew the name of the Lord. So what is really surprising is how the Lord put it that way. 
or how he gave his name to Moses to tell to the Israelites. Because they too would need hope and comfort as they were being led out of the land of Egypt and taken to the land of Canaan that God promised their forefathers. And so in answer to Moses, God made it very clear I am who I am. You will say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. And out of all the names that God could give for his name, out of all the names that are even found in the Holy Scriptures, that is all part of God's name, because in fact, God's name is everything he reveals about himself in his holy word. God chose a verb for a noun. And in fact, he didn't just make up a verb and, and a brand new name. He actually used a verb that is the most common verb in every language on the planet. He used the verb to be, is, I am. And so when he says I am, that word is, that's the word that means he exists, he is real. And so I always like to say that if God is I am, that means all the other gods out there, which are actually fakes and frauds, they are the I am nots. Because no one, but only the one true God, can confess I am. And notice, I am comes with that personal pronoun. Because what we have is a personal God. We don't have a God that, again, is out there leaving us to our own fate. We have a God who is personal and knows us and even calls the Israelites my people. And we know that through faith in Christ, we are his children. And in fact, this very verb is, there's basically two types of tenses. There is a perfect and an imperfect. Perfect, perfect in Hebrew means the action's completed. Imperfect means the action is not completed. And what is used here is the imperfect. So it's action that is constant. It is action that is eternal. And so here, in the, that very one word, which is translated I am, we have a very personal, real, and a God who's eternal. And this is our God. In fact, it was Dr. Martin Luther who actually, on a commentary on these very verses, spoke and said, notice God doesn't say, I'm a has-been, or I'm a will-be. He said, I am. He is. And in fact, that's, he even uses that word, he is, in the very next sentence here when he says, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. And that word Lord literally is that verb being used as a noun, but instead of I am, it's using the third person singular, which is he is. And the Jews always translated the word he is with the word Lord. And that's why it's translated in the Old Testament for us. But it's always capitalized, all four letters, to emphasize that this word is that great I am, or he is. So when we hear even Doubting Thomas, after the resurrection of Jesus, confess that Jesus is my Lord and my God, he wasn't just calling 
Jesus, his Lord, as his teacher and master, but he is the great I am. Even Jesus before Caiaphas himself, who asked him, are you the son of the blessed one? And Jesus would reply, not with the normal word for yes, he would instead reply, I am. Because he is the great I am, who has saved us who has freed us from the slavery of sin by his perfect sacrifice on the cross. And I say perfect because it was his perfect life. He was not a sinner. And with that perfect holy life, and with his sacrifice on the cross, that holiness is credited to our account and only through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Oh, my dear friends, this beautiful message of Christ who is truly the great I am, is what makes Christianity so unique and different from any other religion. Yes, we confess there's only one true God, and this is the triune God, who's one God, and yet, as Jesus put it concerning baptism, baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, this is the great three in one. One God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this one true God is the God who saved us. All other religions out there is always putting the emphasis on what you need to do. But what makes Christianity so different is the focus is on what God has done for us. And that's even true of repentance. We do not repent of our sins simply having sorrow over sin because that earns God's favor because now God owes it to us and he has to forgive us because we said it. No, God forgives us purely by his grace and mercy. The heart of repentance is, 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 is not simply sorrow over sin. No, the heart of repentance is faith. Faith and trust in what Jesus has done for us who paid for those sins and who paid for them in full. So to confess that our God is Lord is truly one of the greatest confessions, not just to be spoken from our lips, but to be held dear from our hearts. And because of this, out of all the stained glass windows in this church that have been made, the one I always point to the most in Bible classes is always that burning bush. Because that burning bush reveals the name, the holy name of our Lord. But more than that, that burning bush reveals that our God is our Lord, our Savior, our life, and our hope. And there is no other. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. 
once again, that is www.salemevluthern.org. May God bless you today and every day.